Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah. Vessalatu vesselamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream. All right. Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream on a Thursday, which is of course the day in which we read from stories of the Odiyat. Today we got a segment. We're going to read a little bit from the Raqa'iq portion of Jawharat al-Tawheed. Um, technically, Al-Bajuri. Some people call him Al-Bajuri, but it's more well known as Al-Bajuri. Hashit Al-Bajuri ala Jawharat Al-Tawheed. Now, first, I want to address something first. Uh, listen, to, listen to this. Well, you're not going to listen. I'm going to read this to you. Okay. I'm going to read you these comments here. Okay. Listen to these comments. So disappointing. Okay. From a rational scholar, it's not good enough answer. Okay. Cannot believe he said, ask the wrong person. I appreciate the honesty, but it's a cynical dismissal of the turmoil and ongoing suffering. Really? SubhanAllah. Yeah. I, I was like, you know. Be, uh, let, let, me, let me ask for a news story or something because we have to be honest here. Um, not everyone is as informed on... Every, every Muslim issue, of course, is important because we're commanded. If one body hurts, part of the body hurts, we all hurt, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone is devoting the same exact time and energy and has the resources. Like, let me ask Ryan, for example. You, you care about the Muslims in Kashmir? Yes. Of course you do, right? But is it on a day-to-day? We have to be honest. There is a level of actionability for everything, right? There's no way that I'm going to care more about your family than my family. Right? The, those who are nearest to you are mo- most needing or worthy so it shouldn't be offensive to anybody that you care in general but you don't know the details right especially if something is you could say possibly hard to know the details so what's happening on the ground in any country you actually need someone on the ground to give you to give you that because sometimes you don't trust the news sources you can't trust them either way right so that's why everyone is saying it's fard ain for all. This is the person this is saying here. Fard ain for all of the scholars to seek knowledge about the current global affairs. I wouldn't say it's fard ain. I would say it's fard kifaya. Okay, because literally the 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 vastness of the ummah, right? The the ummah is so vast you physically cannot. Uh, you physically cannot keep tabs on every single nation, right? So, um, they want us to talk more about Afghanistan. So, we'll talk more. If they care, they care for it, then we should care for it. So, we, we, we'll do that. But And we did, and they think like that's a defense of Taliban. Just because they're Muslims, we're Muslims. They think that that's what they're imagining, I'm sure, some people. That we just defend them at all costs. How is it when we actually had that uh, thing about the education in the schools, and we just looked at it point by point, Right. right? As fair as possible. 
and on a lot of things, like we blame them where they deserve to be blamed because we're just going to go by theory. We're not going to support one group over another. That's what I hate about politics because you have to be part of a, of a tribe in politics and you have to support that tribe through thick and thin. Whereas outside of politics in the world of scholarship, which is what the world that we hope to be in, inshallah, as just transmitters of this turath, this Islamic heritage of knowledge, okay, um, you actually can't be part of that. You just have to look at, you're, you're not, you're, you follow the law. We go by fiqh and sharia. Whatever is against the sharia, we're going to be against it. Whatever is haram, we're going to be against it. Whatever is kufr, we're going to be against it. And whatever is in line with the will of Allah, we're going to support it. But I have to ask you another question. If all this, if, if everyone was for something or against something, how, does it move the needle? You think a guy in New Jersey here, is going to move the needle on the reality of what's happening in any country. It's not going to move the needle one iota. Maybe it's just good for morale, moral support. People feel that someone else cares about their issue. So um, here's another one said that um, the Taliban's religion is not Islam. It's toxic masculinity. Okay. So uh, look, I can see obviously people really care about it, but... um, uh, you 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 cannot Im- imagine that that what the facts that you know that you observe on a f- subject that you go about every day reading that everyone else has that immediate knowledge, right? It's just not the case. It's not a practical. It's not reality in life. Um, but if these this Afghan community here. Uh, wants people to read up more, then we'll read up more. No problem if you ask that. But thing is that I don't expect to be treated fairly because in this world, in this line of, someone had asked the other day, what is it like, the life in the da- in Dawa? You don't get treated fairly in any capacity, neither in the good nor the bad. You go somewhere, you get treated very well. Like, you, it's never neutral at some point. At a certain point, it's never neutral. You go to a restaurant in New Jersey, I, they won't let you pay, Ever. It's like rare when I get to, when I have to when if the owner comes out and he makes me pay, okay. Um, likewise, you're not going to get treated fairly online either. People think that you're just like a fair game to you know, uh, sort of jump to a conclusion about a person on one little clip. But that's fine. It comes with the territory. I don't mind it. I don't care about it. But uh, just to clarify, you have to be realistic. Not everyone is actually going to know every detail about what's going on. Yeah, I obviously the Taliban they're 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 in the news if you search for it, but it's not something I have to be honest that every single per, every single country in the Islamic world are you going to keep tabs on it every single day? It's not practical. All right, so well here is something that came in the news because I said, well, maybe, maybe I'm missing something so obvious. Let's look in here. First thing I see Afghanistan uh Taliban governor has been killed in his office. All right. So we'll just read that for the sake of um, being abreast on, on the news here. The Taliban governor of Afghanistan, and this is from the BBC. Uh, North Balkh province has been killed in an explosion in his office. I'm sure this is not the news that they want us to read, right? They want us to read what the Taliban is doing to the people, not uh, being uh, uh, victimized. Okay. But I'm sure they might not even see that as victimized. But let's just see what it says here. 
He's the most senior official to be killed since the Taliban returned to power. Violence has since decreased sharply, but prominent pro-Taliban figures and others have been killed in a string of attacks. All right, many claimed by the Islamic State. Local police said the cause of the latest blast was unclear. Um, Taliban spokesman Zabihullah Mujahid said on Twitter that the governor had been martyred in an explosion by the enemies of Islam. An investigation is underway. Muzammil is reported to have led the fight against the Islamic State militants in his previous posting as governor. And he, then he was moved to Balkh. Balkh spokesperson Muhammad Waziri said that the explosion occurred around 9 a.m. Uh, police said that at least one other person also died in the attack. All right, there was a bang. I fell on the ground and was wounded. Okay, someone said. Unconfirmed reports say it was a suicide attack a day earlier. Taliban authorities claimed they had killed eight rebels and kidnappers in Mazar Sharif, the Balkh capital. They did not, however, specify which rebel group. The Taliban were ousted in 2001, so they don't give much of the um, context that our brothers and sisters here were upset that we're not giving up an opinion about. So let's look for some of that context. Taliban to turn military bases into business zones. Let me tell you something. My parents are from Egypt. They know the news about Egypt inside out. When I go to my house, I learn this, right? We don't know a thing about Libya, the neighboring country. Never once is Sudan mentioned, the neighboring country. People care about, and they're, they're, that's, that's, that's what's natural. So like, what's up? What's going on in Toronto or Canada? Who knows? They, so likewise, the, these viewers, in there, they probably are keeping abreast on what's happening every day. So what happens is there's this theory that what you focus on, you actually start to imagine everyone else knows the same thing that you know. It's not the case at all. Okay. Uh, Taliban cleric killed in Afghan mosque. That was in the 2nd of September. Russian embassy staff killed in a Kabul bombing. So, um, let's type it in here in the most explicit way. Taliban abuses in Afghanistan. Of course, we're going to get, all right, something about this. And you know, my philosophy towards Muslims is that the Quran says harshness is with the kuffar and the munafiqeen. Leniency and softness is with Muslims. So that's, if people are upset, you know, the derogatory things that they said, all right, whatever, but if they're upset that we're not giving Afghanistan enough attention on the live stream, um, all right, we'll do it. All right, so Amnesty International, what do they say? Indiscriminate and targeted killings reach record levels. Human rights defense, activists, journalists, health and humanitarian workers are amongst those targeted by the Taliban and non state actors a wave of reprisal killings was unleashed during the taliban takeover of the country thousands of people predominantly shia hazaris were forced forcibly evicted the conflict in afghanistan took a dramatic turn with the withdrawal of all international troops the collapse of the government and takeover by the country of taliban forces this happened in april joe biden announced that remaining troops in afghanistan would be withdrawn by 11th the 11th of september 
and uh, subsequently a Taliban military offensive overran the provinces and reached Kabul by August. Uh, government forces are under the leadership of President Ghani, as well as non-state actors carried out indiscriminate attacks with improvised explosive devices and airstrikes, killing and injuring thousands of civilians, according to the UN assistance mission in Afghanistan. Okay, this is their transmission. They're not, not biased sources, but obviously something happens. Okay. Uh, by June, 183 civilian deaths had been recorded. Okay. Or no, sorry, by June, 5,183. I thought it said June 5th, comma. No, it's not June 5th, it's June. By June, comma, 5,183 civilian deaths were recorded. 2,400 women and children. More than two-thirds were attributed to the Taliban, and the rest by non-state actors. The Afghan National Defense and Security Forces and other pro-government forces are accused. Uh, a U.S. drone strike killed 10 members of one family in Kabul, including seven children. Non-state groups deliberately targeting civilians and, civili- and civilian objects throughout the year. I would love to read, you know, what is the Taliban's, you know, counter to this? What are they countering? I don't even know where the source, where do they publish their side of the story? Could you look that up, Chief? By the way, you guys, pan the camera on this gentleman. No. The man came to be on TV today. No. Put the camera on this gentleman. He comes oh. in blazing. Look at this gentleman. Blazing. Okay. It'll lag it up. All right. Look at this gentleman coming in blazing with the Atlanta Red. All right. Good. He. That's why his mom named him Chief. All right. Back to this serious story here, or this news. The Taliban and other armed actors are responsible for numerous targeted killings throughout the year including human rights defenders, women activists, humanitarian, health workers. During its offensive and following its takeover, the Taliban carried out reprisal and extrajudicial killings of people associated with the former administration. Former police officers were targeted. Okay. Now, the Taliban extrajudicial executions have reached nine. Okay. Civilians, too, including a 17-year-old girl that attempted to flee the village. They were all ethnic Hazaras. The Banu Negara, former member of uh, uh, the police force, was beaten and shot by Taliban fighters. Forced displacements and evictions. As I said earlier, we're reading this. Without comment, I'm assuming amnesty.org, um, you know, has some, they're not going to put this whole article without some degree of references here for themselves, but um, I would be interested in the opposite side. But we'll just read this, this is what we have. Between January and December, 680,000 people have been displaced due to fighting, adding to the 4 million already displaced. The Taliban forcibly evicted thousands of people from their homes. There are refugees and migrants, 4,000 
4,000 to 5,000 crossing the border every day. Okay, the Norwegian Refugee Council, it's them again. The Norwegian Refugee Council. I guess they started in Norway and they're like worldwide. I don't know much about them. It's just odd to see their name connected to that part of the world. The right of Afghans, including those at risk of reprisal to seek asylum in third countries, was comprised by Taliban-imposed restriction, departure, okay, insurmountable challenges, obtaining passports and visas. There were fears that border restrictions by neighboring countries would force Afghans to make irregular journeys using smugglers. Women and girls' rights continue to ex- they experience discrimination and violence after the Taliban takeover they lost many of their fundamental human rights the women are no longer participating in the government nor have the right to work okay we read about the whole we had a whole live stream about the 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 education uh thing the schools shutting down the schools the day after you announce that you're going to have schools okay so so that's amnesty international No, not not that I saw. I mean, I check their thing usually every day, every Wednesday. Okay. Um, all right. So the UN has um, listed Afghanistan as the most repressed country in in the world. It's, it's, I'm sure there's truth to a lot of this. It just, uh, I can't help but thinking that these people are beaten on daily. Like every nation beats on, Af- uh, on Afghanistan, on the Taliban, right? Yeah, I'm sure that there's truth to, to their abuses. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, um, it just seems like it's so one-sided. Everything is just like they're, they're, the reports on them is so one-sided. But it doesn't mean that there's not truth to it. I'm sure there's truth to it, and uh, we have to care about it by divine command, right? So if we get more, and maybe we have someone who um, can feed us articles on this, news sources that are better and more accurate than what we can just find on a cursory search uh, on the Internet. Ryan, you have anything to add to this? I mean, all I could do is, is there anything else we could do except just read? That's all we could do, right? Uh, we could just read the sources, and that's all we could do. Uh, Chief, you, you, you into this? What are you? Aren't you in, into uh, political science? Yeah. So wh- all this time you've been silent and you're in political science? <laughs> then you do the research for us or something, Okay. All we could do is read, and we have to, of course, be critical about what we read, and we should probably read, you know, whatever, both sides of the story. Um, I know that actually upsets people, but that's the truth. It upsets, for example, if I was to say, here's an article about how terrible Sisi is, but we got to read both sides, that's going to upset people. But that's the only fair way to go about things. If we're going to read Affairs of the Ummah, we got to read both sides. So there, we read the... uh, the uh, human amnesty side of things. And that, we really will wrap up. Do we want to say anything else about this? Maybe from 
comes out to sources, I think it's hard to really be able to tell what's actually going on. Because that's um, that's exactly it, especially when you're how many thousand miles away, and everything is emotionally charged. Egypt is emotionally charged. There's no neutral, just Ted Koppel giving you the news like the old days, right? No, everything is emotionally charged, one way or the other. Yeah, I can guarantee you that I'll have some friends of mine saying, how could you read this amnesty? They're against us, they hate us, and they're lying. I can guarantee you that some of my friends will tell me that, right? Um, so, yeah. It's very much a gray area. Like, there's no black and white here. It's very hard to tell what's actually going on. That's, a, that's why I, I just I sometimes don't even bother, right? And even with the Saudi uh, thing that... Uh, that that article I sent you, I s literally said check about the permits. That's all I said, right? Just there was like there was no like yeah let's hate on MBS. I don't want to hate on MBS. I want to go to Umrah, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, so just literally just just by sharing it and saying check on the permits, all the pro Saudi sympathizers got emotional and say wow could you share this? Just I, the guy put the link in the whole thing and I said check on the permit if it's you know. Like, read up on the permit thing. But people are just, they get so emotionally attached to one side of the, or the other. Yeah, what were you saying? It off, like, what happened over there. The same thing, like, we had, uh, we didn't have the sources to say, okay, were there actually weapons of mass destruction? Yeah. We took the word of, you know, people that were saying that there is. Yeah. And the other side didn't get a chance to, you know, give their, uh, you know, idea of what's yeah. actually going on. And, and on top of it, Iraq, Iraq was even more absurd because it was a negative. How can he prove a negative? How can I prove that I don't have something? You have to prove that you do have something, right? So that's in any debate or in any issue, you have to put a positive affirmation that can be proven or disproven, right? The, um, let me uh, tell, you th tell you this. There is a theory out there that in geopolitical affairs, the truth can never be known. The amount of um, misleading information on the Internet has reached a point that certain truths can never be known. It's just like, you'll never know who is more guilty, less guilty. Uh, I guarantee you, I can almost guarantee you that some responses will say, yes, these killings are happening by enemy forces dressing up as Taliban to make them look bad. I can guarantee you, because I, I, I remember when this happened in Egypt, that there were news stories about the military, okay? People in the Egyptian military dressing up Growing beards, dressing up as Muslim Brotherhood, and going out and, and being crazy and shooting people, right? During the Tahrir, uh, not the, the Rabi'ah uh, mass, you know, the, the, uh, the Rabi'ah front when they were uh, marching and they, they made camp there at an area called the Rabi'ah. And then they were all killed at the end. But to, to sway people against them, and people will even share photos of the military, you know, taking pictures of themselves as Ikhwan, right? Dressed up as Ikhwan. Who in the world knows what's true and what's false, right? At this point, it may be so obvious to one side that what I'm saying right now is absolutely, right, uh, ludicrous to them. You don't win either side. That's all we could do is read news sources and, um, and figure it out. One person says, oh, if you don't know what's gone on in Afghanistan, you must be living under a rock. That's not... 
true at all, right? It's not even... You, you, do you know what's happening in Sudan? Do you know what's happening in Mali right now? Right? Somalia? <laughs> Somalia? Subhanallah. Like, and I live with Pakistanis, right? I have no clue. All I know, Imran Khan is up, and they're split on Imran Khan. The young guys, they love him. The old guard hates him. Like, the old guard in the masjid, they despise Imran Khan. The young guys, they're naming their kids Imran Khan, right? <laughs> Yeah. It's not hard science. So you can't, like, do a lot of times you can't do a controlled experiment in a lab. You can with some uh, experiments, but not with everything. Yeah. So a lot of it is observable research because of ethical things. You can't, like, go and instigate a war and, yep. you know, study that. Yep. So a lot of it's, like, um, like you just have to scour the internet. For is your mic on, by the way? Okay. Go on. You have to scour the internet for, like, news articles, for, like, other peer-reviewed research and that kind of thing and kind of come up with your own theory, but you don't really know exactly what's going on. That's why I don't like it, right? My mind rests on an objective fact that's provable, demonstrable, right in front of me, right? That's what gives my mind rest, right? But I've never felt comfortable with these discussions because you just never know what is actually a fact. Every fact has a counterfact. Every statement... Okay, has a counter one. And you know what you, who you end up going with? Whoever's most emotionally charged. Because that, to me, now it's like, okay, it's pragmatics right now. Do I really want to have an argument? It, com- it actually boils down to something totally different than the truth, which is basically like, in my immediate surrounding, do I want to have an argument? Right? Do I want to go against this person who is close to me? Right? That's really what it comes down to. Uh, when you look at husbands and wives... If one person has extremely strong views on anything, like I have a friend, and he went this route of the all the holistic stuff. And I'm like, bro, I know you from when you're 13. <laughs> this is nonsense, right? But now, I, but you know why? Because his wife is dead on. He had to make a, a decision. I can't blame him. Am I going to actually question this stuff and start an art? Is it worth it? opportunity cost right so that's what a lot of these discussions end up becoming you will follow the most emotionally charged one just to avoid the headache right Uh, and the actual facts are just it could really end up going both sides yeah based on like okay we feel that this is wrong we feel that this is wrong or yeah. somebody messed up and said okay this is a bad thing mm-hmm. do this anymore. when you don't have like that objective standard already there and yeah established, like all right this is what humans are entitled to yeah These are the responsibilities that humans also have to each other when you don't have that then it's just a whole bunch of like it's a phony framework basically yeah. and you can like distort facts and like make your own narratives and that kind of thing it's so easy to, to put together your own narrative but here's what you said is that from the, if we take a thirty thousand foot um, view of human rights it seems to me that the guiding light is who cries the loudest then they add a right for that person but it seems to me that like the world and, and business they're taking on my philosophy it's like I don't know what's going on but if you're going to cry that loud I can't, I, I can't have that going on in my business and then once businesses go that route politics follows right that's usually if you look at it if you follow you know trends that's usually the way things go because the business guy 
he's got to make an objective decision. He's trying to please people. Like Nike's got to please people or um, Hershey's, they got to make sure their customer base is happy. So they're going to do something that's going to make sure that that segment of the buyers are happy. That's what drives their politics. And eventually politicians are like, well, who's donating, right? Who's donating? So if businesses are going that route, and they just have to make a binary decision. I'm telling you, my friend who works with a company, and he was assigned as his client is Nike. Okay? Very close friend of mine. His client is Nike. And, he, and before the, you know when they supported uh, the kneeling? They supported Kaepernick, right? And it was a big outcry. How could Nike get involved in this, right? He's like, no, no. They, they, when the data came back, it was not, not even a discussion. And he sits on a lot of these meetings. It was like, it was not even a discussion when the data came back of who their buyers are, right? So, yeah, they, they calculated they're going to lose 3%, right, of people who will hate Nike for five years before forgetting that they hate Nike, right? Uh, but they're going to gain so much more, and they made a killing on all Kaepernick stuff. And time passed, and it faded away, right? Likewise, when Kyrie does something... And then, what's his face? Uh, Morant does something. What did Morant do? He flashed a gun at a kid. First of all, just because someone's 17 doesn't make them in some innocent minor, right? You could be a 17-year-old, you know, that no people... What did he do? He was a strip club with a gun, right? Uh, So that's... That's a crime of stupidity, right? He probably was playing the Atlanta Hawks. He's... Okay, so so that's more of stupidity, right? But he does that, and he just what's the repercussion for him? Was he dropped on the spot by Nike? Not really, right? But not at all, right? Uh, he is he is with Nike, right? He's a Nike athlete. Kyrie does one thing against the redacted community, okay, whose name cannot be mentioned, and he's dropped like a hot potato because these people know like who's. Uh, who, where the money moves, right? You cannot. Certain people can be offended. Certain people cannot be offended. So once, what's up? Yeah. Once, and by the way, Nike uh, NBA has a has a deal with Amazon. The thing is posted on Amazon. Amazon's making money from that movie because the views on that movie went up as soon as it became controversial. Who wins when that happens? Amazon. And NBA has a deal with Amazon. Nobody talked about that at all, right? Nobody talked about that. Like, NBA is making money off the movie. Amazon's, or, or NBA is, is in a deal with Amazon because Amazon shows some of their games. Amazon's making tons of money, okay? Anytime their movies watch, they're succeeding, right? But Kyrie gets the axe, right? Because they know it's just not good for optics. And then politics will follow big business. That's just, if you, don't, if you understand how the 30,000-foot the view of what the politicians are, they're the go-between between the people, the military complex, which is part of business in my view, and big businesses, right? And that's how, the, that's how things generally move. So it's about the squeaky wheel getting the oil. And that's the same, that's the same uh, view that I get. And w- as soon as you're like uncomfortable, like where are... Where are the facts here, right? Yeah. I can't find, I need that objective fact. So then you could 
make a pronouncement on that objective fact. And after all that, I go back to the same question. What is my pronouncement going to do? What is anyone's pronouncement? It's just words, right? What is my pronouncement? Uh, like, uh, I loved um, Muhammad Hijab at the China, at the Uyghur uh, oh, march with the Chi- at the Chinese embassy. Yeah. Some of the Shabab were watching it and were like, takes his shirt off, throws it, right? <laughs> huh? Yeah. And then I'm telling you, some of the kids, so pumped, right? So that's the function. You did pump up the hearts of the kids. But in reality, that's the limit of the function. I'm telling you, there were some old men almost weeping. Their eyes watered up when they saw that, right? <laughs> so that's the function of it, okay? The, okay, you got us emotionally. But that's something that's, that's not of discussion. There's no, there's no counter-narrative to what's happening to the Uyghurs, right? Whereas with this, I know my phone's going to be blown up by... I, why, why, why don't I check right now if I'm going to get messages on how could you read something against the Taliban? Don't you know all their enemies are dressing up on us? Dressing up to, as Taliban? So, I mean, and by the way, here's my policy on this. I would never, if there was an Ashari Maliki Ba'alawi who became a, politi- a politician and a president of a country. I was still not officially supported. He's got to be a politician, right? He's got to one day step on toes, cut necks, that it's shady, right? He has to if he's going to survive. He must, I'm telling you, must do this. And his own hisab may be something different because he's got to make different judgment calls, right? Politicians have different judgment calls. As soon as they fear a threat, right? We've got to wait till they... Stop playing with their engine. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but uh, I still would not follow. I would not, you know, follow him. I would not like say this is my guy. I'm going with him because the moment that he has to make a judgment call, okay, I can't support that. I can't be supporting something that's indefinite. I like something definite, concrete, right? Fiqh, sharia, yeah. sharia, right? You go do your thing, concrete and definite, right? And that's predictable, and this is my position on things. So, that's all this on the, uh, the issue of um, that segment. And we shift now to the next segment. But first, let's uh, have a word from our sponsors, who is the uh, Ocean Retina. <clears throat> Ocean Retina, Ocean County Retina. If you want uh, laser surgery, not LASIK, but laser surgery, you come down here, hang out with nothing but facts, just like Chief Latif is doing, except he's not getting his eyes done, right? He's looking laser today, but he's not getting laser surgery. But uh, get your eyes fixed, okay? Uh, Mini Star is asking, was the Chief Latif on camera? Yes, he was. Rewind a little bit because you could... um, um, Othman is asking now, who put that... Plushy couch behind us here. This is a sheep, and it smells amazing, too. Okay? It's not a pillow, though. It's not a pillow. It's a sheepskin. This was a big ram. This was a big ram. That's another one. Huh? No. No, that's not bear skin. That's not polar bear. It's not polar bear. Wait. Is this polar bear? That might be. That's what I said. This is a big sheep, Arthur Man. You missed that one. You missed that. Uga Panda wasn't Kyrie with Adidas. No, Kyrie is with uh, 
I, uh, it's the rapper dude who was with Adidas. He got, he got dropped. Uh, this is Caption Avim. Yes, this was a massive. This is a big sheep, right? This is a big sheep. I have a sheepskin in my room that I. Uh, it's tiny, with some small one, but this is a big sheep. All right, so uh, that's the first thing. Second thing, support the live stream, safinasociety.org, or patreon.com slash society. Patreon.com slash society. And now we shift to Qisas al-Awliya, al-Risal al-Qushayriya, and it is Ahmad ibn Muhammad al-Rudhabari. Abu Ali Ahmed ibn Muhammad al-Rudhabari. Baghdadi aqama bi Misru fiha. He's from Iraq, but he lived in Egypt and died in it. Sahib al-Junaid wa-Nawri wa-Ibn al-Jala. Can you guys hear this? What are they doing? Yeah, they testing new engines or something. Wasa'ala Abu Ali, or wasu'ila Abu Ali, عن من يستمع للملاهي ويقول هي لي حلال لأني وصلت إلى درجة لا تؤثر فيه. He listens to music and he says it's okay for me because I not get affected by it. Um, anytime that we have doubts and weakness in iman, it always goes back to sins. No, um, Omar, correct that to رسالة القشرية first. He has arrived, but not at that station. He's arrived to Saqar. There is a madhab that is all seriousness. Don't mix it up with, with anything that is silly or not serious. The sign that you are maghrur, being deceived by Iblis. And to see, فَيُحْسِنُ اللَّهُ إِلَيْكَ You do bad things, and Allah does gives you good results. This is extremely dangerous. This is called al-istidraj. But if you do something bad, and then suddenly something negative happens to you, and that negative, don't just think it's in your wealth or your body. That negative thing happening to you could be in your iman. Doubts, uh, shakiness, okay, okay, things like that. Then, then that's also something bad that happens to you. You have to watch out. Inability to get up for fajr, inability to get up for ibadah, lack of desire for ibadah, following trends left and right. So, when it's the Olympics, you're all crazy for the Olympics. Twenty-four hours a day Olympics. Then World Cup, twenty-four hours for the World Cup. You're like a feather wherever. The media is taking you, you just follow it. There's a trend, you go crazy for the trend. There's a, huh? Yeah, you're just like a sheep moving around. You're cattle. When, when you're, um, there's an outrage, you get all, all right, with the outrage, okay? You're all hooked up. There's a revolution in a country, all of a sudden you got their flag. And you have, just whatever's loud, you follow it, right? media whenever something like one of these outlets come up with some things automatically just not even reading the post just posting oh left and right like ukraine yeah, all ukraine. of a sudden i have my muslim friends what do you care about ukraine you're from yeah. pakistan what the, <laughs> what the heck are you so con- oh can you believe 
Putin went into Ukraine. Yes, I can believe it. It's his neighboring country that NATO's coming in to, 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 to you know, make Ukraine a NATO country. I can definitely believe it because America did far worse, worse halfway around the world. Afghanistan, then Iraq. Iraq a second time, right? The 90s Iraq, then this Iraq. So I definitely can believe it. And nobody was outraged with any of that stuff, right? Nobody was ever outraged by that. But for Putin to go in, you know, uh, Putin has talked about that he hates Muslims and stuff. That's, that's, that's tr- probably true, right? Is it the case, though, that, you know, in, in a, the, the liberals are any better, right? Except he's open about it. He'll probably, but, but by the way, I think the, uh, no, the Chechen leader, yeah, but he had to all, see, that's why, he's an Ashari, right? He supports our Aqidah. This Johar al-Tawheed, he will support it. He will let you go and teach this book in any of his masajid, but he had to make a judgment call. It's either he's gone, lost power completely, or he had to make a judgment call. That's why you can never support one of these. He's a perfect example. And all when our scholars went to a Chechen-sponsored conference, okay, they got slammed, all right, because you can never be with any of these people who uh, uh, who are in positions of power. They will do shady things because, as Ibn Khaldun said, and every political scientist, the first priority of every ruler is staying in power. It's not doing good deeds. First priority, staying in power. Doing good deeds is second. So if he's got to do, a, I'm not saying that's right, but that's the reality. So if he's got to go side with the Russians, with Putin, he's got to side with some big, uh, the big wolf, in order not to be eaten. That's the decision he made. So that's why he is uh, uh, hated by the Ummah. They hate him. Which is why when our ulama went there, they got hated upon. Big time. What's so funny according to Uthman? Uthman, what's so funny? No, no, Uthman doesn't get sad. (laughs) He's laughing for sure. Okay, now listen up here. You do good, you do bad deeds, good things happen to you. That's not good. So why? Because you will leave off Tawbah and Inaba. Allah is no longer tawab upon you what is tawab how is allah manifests himself as a tawab to you by inspiring you to make tawbah giving you a reason to make tawbah that is the meaning of a tawab okay uh uthman Qureshi is describing the the chechen as teaching johar tawheed two days ago i was reading how this guy is a monster according to the west <laughs> yeah So, that you get the imagination that you're forgiven for these little sins. No, you're not forgiven for these little sins. And you start seeing that Allah letting you commit sins now is His mercy to you and your spiritual advancement. Okay? He said, my teacher himself was Junaid. Next is Muhammad Az Zajaji. No Tashkil. So it could be Az Zujaji, Az Zijaji, Az Zajaji. We don't know. And he's from Nisapur and he went to Mecca, Al Mukarrama, 
and he lived there many years and he died in Mecca al Mukarramah and he's also from the Murids of Junaid al-Sadiq Junaid al-Sadiq is who, the one who took the uh, the people of Tasawwuf and he put them on the straight path he says there are things that are valid in it there's things that are not that which is from the book and the sunnah you focus on that that is what is the subject of Tasawwuf if it is not then you leave it off uh, he said, "This Junaid is the one who famously said, our madhab is bound by the book and the sunnah. M- meaning, we are people who care about tasfiyat al-qulub and, and sakina and nur fil-sadr. And we, we, we care so much about this, right? However, if you care about it, you must uh, moderate yourself by the book and the sunnah. He was asked, why do you transform completely upon the first takbirah uh, in the obligatory prayer because I fear that I will open up my obligatory prayer on other than sitq which is sincerity whoever says Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar whoever says Allah is greatest but in his heart there is something greater than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. and siwa or someone equal. Okay. Alright. Fakad kadhaba nafsahu. You will you become a munafiq. You're a liar. When your words don't match your reality, that's what we call kadhib. And that's why in the Arabic language, kadhib is anytime words do not match the reality, intentionally or unintentionally. If it's unintentional, it just doesn't count against you as a sin. But if it's intentional, does count against you okay well uh and and unintentional can count against you if you transmit it sloppily okay the one who speaks about having a spiritual state that he truly did not reach uh, we read this too but it's really good to read then when he talks it's a fitna for people but if he did arrive at that station it will settle in people's hearts that's the truth that's why if someone speaks about spiritual stations and spiritual happenings, if it doesn't settle immediately very simply to you, and he's just talking theory, he hasn't arrived at He's just giving you a theory. Something he read in a book or something he wishes to have. If he truly had it, it should settle very simply, and he should be able to take you by the hand straight to that station. Right? He should be able to take you there. Or at least on the way there. Just like somebody, have, have you ever been to New York? Yes. How do I go to New York? Don't worry about it. I'll take you there. You have to think twice. Just you have to buy your ticket and you're going to have to walk a little bit. But you have never you don't have to think. It'll take you there. But if someone never been there and wants to teach to talk about it and he's going to talk and talk nonsense, reading from maps and confuse you and you get lost. Okay? I, there was a brother, a friend of mine, he, he found a person who claimed that he's going to be have a tariqah. That he has a tariqah and he links back to a Turkish sheikh, etc. And he said, oh, this is wonderful. Let me follow him. So he gave him dhikr and he put him in khalwa and all this, right? And he was like struggling. In the dhikr he was struggling. Then he saw a dream one time that while he was doing this dhikr he fell asleep. He saw a dream that he's, uh, he went to a well but all he found was sand and he was eating sand, Right? He later discovered that that person was a false claimant. He was claiming that he was 
a disciple of so-and-so and he could lead you to the path, it's all false. So uh, he was going into a heart that is empty. It's just sand. He left, so he left that person. What's the punishment? Allah will deprive him from that station. He lived in Mecca for many years. Okay. Next is Abu Bakr al-Zakaq. لَمَّا مَاتَ أَبُو بَكْرِ الزَّقَّاقِ انْقَطَعَتْ حَجَّةُ الْفُقَرَاءِ فِي دُخُولِهِمْ مِصْرِ Okay, uh, many people of Egypt, they realized that he was the one paying for their hajj. When he died, okay, uh, it stopped. So he had not told anybody, not even his inheritors, okay, that he was the one paying for many poor people to go make hajj. Same thing with Ali Zain al-Abidin ibn Hussein, Sayyidina, um, Al Hussein's son, Ali Zain Al Abidin, he was uh, he would secretly go out and um, and give food to the poor every night secretly, right? And feed the people and put food in front of their homes. And only when he died, the food stopped, and they found on his back when they were washing him a lump of black and blue. So uh, his um, and like tough skin on his back. So um, his, his servant said, yes, he used to take the bag of food and swing it with his right hand so it would hit the same part of his back every single night. And that's why that part of the skin was different. It was black and blue. Abu Bakr al-Siddiq also. And she used to say that, um, uh, Sayyidina Omar went and he said, What's, what, who comes here? She said, oh, a Muslim, just a man comes. She ha- he hadn't even announced himself as Abu Bakr Siddiq. She just said, a man comes and cleans up and, and prepares me the dinner for the day, the food for the day, right? And cleans up from, because she was blind, so she's like, may be spilling things or whatever. So he cleans up every day and he gives her some food every day. Every morning after Fajr, he would do this for this old lady. And she never even knew who he was. But also Sayyidina Omar likewise did that to many other people. And one time he came upon a family that was crying Kids were crying and um, on and on. So he knocked and the woman opened up and he had his servant with him and uh, walked in and said, what's happening in this household? He said, what she said, what's happening in this household is Omar is what's happening. He sends my father away for war, my brother away for war, my my husband away for war, and, and we have nobody to take care of us. Okay. And then she had a, a pot going and she's stirring rocks. So every night I just stir rocks in, in boiling water so the kids imagine that they're going to eat soon. And they cry themselves to sleep. So Omar just became so upset about the situation that he went straight to Beit al-Mal with his servant, took a whole bunch of food and came back and cooked it himself. And then the kids ate. And then when... Um, his servant said, okay, they ate, let's, so we go? He said, no, we left, we came, the kids were hungry and crying. So we can't leave until they're full and laughing. So then Omar ibn Khattab played with the kids, had them ride on his back and played with them until they laughed. They were laughing and, and then they fell asleep on, on that state. And then she, he left, okay? She didn't even ever know that that was Omar ibn Khattab. He did the same thing. 
these people, they knew Allah is watching them. They're in our politicians. Abdullah bin Abbas himself, Abdullah bin Abbas, his statement was, Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali were more pious than Muawiyah, but Muawiyah was esyas. Muawiyah was a better politician. He was a politician. He did not operate on the level of, of, of taqwa and Allah is with us. That level, Muawiyah announced himself, I don't have the support for that. So I have to be a king. He announced it. He said, it's not that he doesn't want to have taqwa. He announced that he doesn't have the support for this anymore. Right? Like you need supporting, a supporting cast of muttaqis to help you with that. So he said, Muawiyah was the better politician although Abu Bakr and Omar operated on the path of prophethood. Okay. مَنْ لَمْ يَصْحَبْهُ أَتْتُقَى فِي فَقْرِي أَكَلَ الْحَرَامِ الْمَحْضِ If you don't have taqwa in poverty, you will always eat from the haram. Why? Because poverty, in poverty, taqwa should be easier. It's far harder to be pious when rich and pious when poor, right? And you can your your piety in good times is only as good as your piety in bad times. If you can't mentally handle bad times, right, you probably won't handle good times either. Because bad times it's it's easier to, to, to be pious. Because in bad times you have no one around you, there are no friends, no temptations. You're just ignored, right? In bad times. And you're brought to your knees. You should be far more able to to pray okay far more able to be humble to allah when everyone's ignoring you but when everyone loves you and now the dunya opened up you don't understand how temp- how the fitna of the dunya opening up when literally you never have to think of any prices that's what it means the dunya opening up there's a certain amount of money that you make a year you never ask about prices right and so these people when the dunya opens up you don't know how you're going to act the way you're, the taqwa that you're going to have is built in the t- in the poor times when you're poor, right? Or, or when you're living a normal life. So that's uh, the, um, the the when people say, "Why do bad things happen to me?" Well, you're being prepared now to receive good things, yeah. right? And yes, there is a hadith in which the Prophet knows the limit, or, or sorry, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala knows the limit of every person. He knows that some people, at a certain point of poverty, they can't take it; they'll make kufr. And at a certain point of wealth, they can't handle that, they'll make kufr. Right? Or they'll, they'll go astray on it. Okay? When Sayyidina Umar uh, uh, kept receiving, seeing these women in this state, he made a law that no man can be out um, for more than four months. You can only be out on war for four months and you got to come back. And he began to stagger the distribution of the soldiers such that a woman would always have, there's someone from that family around and of course back in those days the tribes were massive right tribes were massive back in the day so your husband is out you're going to have your uncle your grandfather tribes were big that was your social security he said i was lost in an area which was known as the area of beni israel for 15 days when I finally came back to the tariq, a soldier met me. And he gave me some water. And 
And for 30 years, I felt different in my heart because that soldier, his wealth is haram. They, they, deemed, they deemed the wealth of the Umayyads and Abbasids to be haram. And these are the people who sponsored the scholars, opened the spread Islam, etc. And they deemed their wealth to be haram. Imagine now the wealth of governments of today. Right? Abdul Waqid al-Durubi was a scholar who um, was an imam. And he was uh, an employee of the awqaf. So he used to receive a salary from the awqaf. Right? So his student then asked him, I mean, look at sometimes the students are pretty like abrupt. He said, you're taking government money. Is it halal? Right? And he said, well, you're saying government money is haram, but don't they do some lawful services? Do they not deliver the mail? Do they not pave the roads? Right? But so he's basically saying taking the government salary is not haram because there are some. So we intend it to come from what is halal that they do. So um, later on, though, he realized that Sheikh Abdul Wakil al-Durubi, he had properties that he was renting out and he would give his government check away to the poor. He, n- he never took the government salary. But he didn't say it's haram either. Out of wara, he wouldn't take it. Sari al-Sakati. Abu al-Hasan Sari ibn al-Mughallis al-Sakati. Qala al-Junaid wa ustadhuhu. He's the uncle of Junaid al-Sadiq and the sheikh of Junaid al-Sadiq. Wa talmid ma'roof al-Karhi. So the Senate... Maruf al-Karhi, Sari al-Sakati, Junaid al-Salik. These are our forefathers in, the, in this subject matter of Tuskiyat al-Nafs. Okay. No one was like him in wara and the ahwal and ilm bil-sunnah and ilm bil-tawheed. Balaghani anna Sari kana yattajir fil-suq. It reached me that Sari al-Sakati was trading in the marketplace. And he is from the companions of Maruf al Karhi. Maruf came to him one day. Is that a typo? Yatim, Yatim. That's a typo here in the book. Maruf, his uncle, um, no, Maruf, his teacher, uh, came to him with, a, with an orphan. Or iksu hadal yatim. Give him clothes. So I gave him clothes. Maruf was so happy that I did that. May Allah make you hate this dunya. And may Allah relieve you from all this business that you're doing. Immediately his dua was answered. Immediately, I had no interest in buying and selling, and I just wanted to follow Maruf al-Karhi. Everything is that I am in from good, I'm in following Maruf. Right? Is, is in the dua of Maruf al-Karhi. Some people's dua is accepted with a lag. Sometimes it's accepted immediately. يَقُولُ Junaid, مَا رَأَيْتُ أَعْبَدَ مِنَ السَّرِ No one, Junaid al-Sarik said his nephew and his pupil, no one did more ibadah than Sari Sakti. Atat alayhi thaman wa tis'una sana. 98 years. Ma ru'iya muttaji'an. Illa fi alat al-mawt. I never saw him relaxing, laying down. Okay, unwinding. 
except in this is is uh sickness of death wayurwa an asari annahu qala it's narrated from sari as-saqati that he said al-mutasawwif ismun li thalath ma'anin another typo at-tasawwuf at-tasawwuf ismun okay or let's see maybe he means al-mutasawwuf the mutasawwuf is the person practicing tasawwuf هو الذي لا يطفئ نور معرفته نور ورعه آه سبحان الله لا يطفئ نور معرفته نور ورعه نور the first نور is فاعل مرفوع بالضمة the second نور is مفعول به منصوب بالفتحة it is the one who the light of his ma'rifa does not put out the light of his ورع meaning the more spiritual he gets does not make him be more lax with the law how many people are like this the more uh, they practice the self the more relaxed with the law they get until the circles of the self like people are just like too loose and that may be also by perception because we tend to be inviting to people we want to turn anyone away and friendly towards people so people imagine that to be a permissiveness it shouldn't be the case okay Second meaning, He never has any, speaks of any spiritual experience, ru'ya, dreams, mukashafat, that would contradict the sharia. And there is no such thing as a spirituality that contradicts the sharia. Okay? This is exactly what Junaid used to teach. This is exactly what his concern was. The sharia uh, with the tariqah. وَلَا تَحْمِلُهُ الْكَرَامَاتِ عَلَى هَتْكِ أَسْتَارِ مِحَارِمِ اللَّهِ No amount of karamat could make him commit acts of disobedience to Allah. وَقَالَ الْجُنَيْدِ سَأَلَنِي السَّرِي يَوْمًا عَنِ الْمَحَبَّةِ Junaid says, Sari asked me one day about mahabba. قَالَ قَوْمٌ Some people said, هِيَ الْمُوَافَقَةُ It is agreement. وقال الإثار. Others said generosity. Okay. فأخذ السري جلد ذراعه ومدها فلم تمتد ثم قال وعزته تعالى لو قلت إن هذه الجلد يبسط على هذا العظم من محبته لصدقت ثم غشي عليه فدار وجهه كأنه قمر مشرق. Okay. إن هذه الجلد I don't understand what he meant, to be honest with you. وَقَالَ مُنْدُ ثَلَاثِينَ سَنَةً وَأَنَا فِي الْإِسْتِغْفَارِ مِنْ قَوْلِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ مَرَّةً Sariya Saqati said, I've been for 30 years saying istighfar for saying alhamdulillah one time. Why would he seek be seeking forgiveness Okay. for saying alhamdulillah? That's the question. Okay. He said, the people said, why would, why would you say istighfar for, for saying alhamdulillah? A man came running and said, there is a big fire in Baghdad. But you, Junaid, uh, Sari, your store is okay. Your store wasn't burned down. So I called out, alhamdulillah. Okay. I said, alhamdulillah. Then I remembered everyone else. 
saying alhamdulillah for myself while my Muslim brothers are crying. So I make istighfar for this hamd. Okay. Okay. I, I was happy about what happened to me despite what happened to the rest of the Muslims. This is why it's fard upon us to care about all Muslims in general and not in specific. In general. Okay? You're not bound to go and know every specific detail about everyone, but in general you have to care for the Muslims. And he says, I, he looks in the mirror out of fear that his sins would have an impact on his face. Junaid said, I heard Sari say, So you see, when, when you see uh, Sari's talking about Sharia and Tariqah, then now you know where Junaid got it. This is exactly Junaid's teaching. It's the same thing. When you read what Jafar al-Sadiq says about the Prophet then you see what Malik says, you know where he received it. Okay, You can know exactly Malik's Asanid by what he says. Their, his teacher said the same thing. He didn't pop out of nowhere. Nobody pops out of nowhere. He says, I know a fast route to paradise. So Junaid said, what is it? He says, Never ask anybody of anything. And don't take anything from anyone. Okay? Don't, don't have anything that you could give away. In other words, don't take from people and don't possess. Don't be a possessor because then you'll be wrong for not sharing. Right? So in other words, this complete level of zuhd. وَقَالَ الْجُنَيْدِ دَخَلْتُ عَلَى السَّرِيَ السَّقَطِ وَهُوَ يَبْكِي I entered upon Sari Sakati while he's crying. فَقُلْتُ لَهُ وَمَا يُبْكِيكَ I said, what makes you cry? فَقَالَ جَاءَنِي الْبَارِحَةِ الصِّبْيَةِ My children came yesterday and they say, يَا أَبَتِي هَذِهِ لَيْلَ حَارَّ وَهَذَا الْكَوْزِ أَعْلِقُهُ هَانُهُ هَاهُنَا ثُمَّ إِنَّهُ غَلَبَتْنِي عَيْنَايَ فَنِمْتُ فَرَأَيْتُ جَارِيَةً مِنْ أَحْسَنِ الْخَلْقِ قَدْ نَزَلَتْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ فَقُلْتُ لِمَنْ أَنْتِ فَقَالَتْ لِمَنْ لَا يَشْرَبَ الْمَاءِ الْمُبَرَّدِ فِي الْكِيزَانِ My kids came and said, it's a hot night, let's put out water to, to cool down. So you could put water in clay in a certain way where the wind comes, and the clay is porous, and that's, it's a method of cooling water. You ever heard of this? Okay, so you can actually get clay that's made, that's porous. You put reg- regular water in it on a hot day, but you put that clay in an area that receives wind. And the breeze will actually cool down the water. By evening time, like late in the evening, that's co- it's cold water, right? He then fell asleep. He saw a beautiful woman, okay? And he said, and for whom are you? Like a gift on the Day of Judgment. For whom? Who gets to have your company? She said, the ascetic that does not drink cool water on a hot day. Okay? So I, I took the, uh, I took the, the uh, I woke up and he immediately spilt the water to make sure I don't get tempted from this. Then his kid said, Father, we wanted to drink from that. قال الجنيد فرأيت الخزف لم يرفعه حتى عفى عليه التراب. He says, I, w- I wish I could die in a country besides Baghdad. 
he was so why he said i fear i fear that my grave will not even accept me in other words like there will be snakes in the grave or something like that and then i would be embarrassed in front of all of the people of baghdad so that is from a risal qushayr let's just read a little nabda a little portion from the end of hashiyat al-bayjuri ala jawharat at-tawhid al-musamma tuhfat al-muridi ala jawharat at-tawhid okay yes just to go back to the previous point you made mm-hmm. on how i guess you see like the linkage between teacher and student mm-hmm. and you know like it goes from all the way from sayyidina Ja'far al-Sadiq to Malik to like some Junaid then you know the leaders the Tijanis you hear good things you hear the Qadris everything like you know they I mean the aim that founded these are kind of I mean what they preach obviously has like some sort of theme around it but when it comes to the I guess Muridin and how that kind of transmits is it I know there's like people that are false claimants of the Sawwuf in the past but how these days how do we kind of you know know what is let me uh, word word it properly. It's kind of. Let me answer that when I come back. I'm going to take a yeah. quick breather. Rai, could you read something for us? Um, from from that book or wherever you want. Just hold the stream for a second while I come back. Should I put the camera on, Rai? Just come to this mic. So this is. Besides, uh. Mustarshidin, English, from uh, Imam Zaid Shakir's translation of its. So, it says, seek the guidance of Allah in every situation. The Muslim is conditioned to seek Allah's guidance in all of his or her affairs. We recite the opening chapter of the Quran al-Fatiha repeatedly. One of the prayers that we make when we recite the Fatiha is, إِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ mustaqim we have also been taught by our beloved Prophet wasallam the prayer of guidance, as-salatu istikhara. That prayer is recommended whenever we need Allah's guidance in a significant matter. We will also mention the hadith of the prayer of guidance in full for the benefit of those unfamiliar with it. It is related by Jabir ibn Abdullah that the Prophet wasallam used to teach us the prayer of guidance in all of our affairs as he would teach us a ch- as a chapter of the Qur'an, saying, When a matter vexes one of you, let him pray turakas of non-obligatory prayer and then say, O oh Allah, I am seeking your guidance through your knowledge and seeking conformity with your decree through your power. And I am asking you of your immense grace. Surely you are all powerful while I lack power. You are all knowing while I lack knowledge, and you are all you are the knower of the unseen. O oh Allah, if you know that this matter is best for me and my religion, my worldly affair, and the afterlife, then decree it for me, facilitate it for me, and then bless me in it. However, if you know that this matter is worse for me and my religion, my word my worldly life and my afterlife, then ward it off from me and ward me off from it, and make good for me whatever the case may be, and make me pleased with it. At this point one should mention his need. If we learn this prayer and develop the habit of saying it before we make major decisions, we will find an increased portion of blessings and ease in our lives. And I've heard before that uh, some shayukh pray istikhara every day, even generally, just for general matters. So I think that's good. Waalaikumsalam wa rahmatullah, mashallah. 
I guess. Uh, All right, next next chapter. Stop trying to reject what God, what Allah has facilitated for you. As Muslims, we are taught that proper etiquette is one of the foundations of our affair. We have touched on this point earlier in the book. One of the most serious breaches of the etiquette we could display in our relationship with Allah is rejecting what He has facilitated for us. Two of the most dangerous implications of this breach are mentioned by Ibn Atayillah Iskandari in his famous uh, Hikam. He says, Concerning your desire to be divested from the world, despite the fact that Allah has facilitated worldly means for you, beware that leaving those worldly means may be the expression of a hidden lust. Concerning your desire for the world means, despite the fact that Allah has divested you from the world, beware that leaving that state of divestment may involve a descent from lofty spiritual aspirations. We should be constantly trying to, this is the author now, we should be constantly trying to ascertain just what direction Allah is moving us in, and then attempt to take advantage of divine facilitation by moving in that direction. Our failure to do so will only open up before us compound levels of difficulties. This is what Imam Shafi meant when he said, time is like a sword. If you do not cut it, it will cut you. He was not talking about wasting time. He was talking about understanding the ruling of Allah and His wisdom as it relates to the time you find yourself in. If you go against that ruling, you will do great harm to yourself. Here we go. Uh, if you want to learn, go to arcview.org. Today there is a Hanbali Fiqh. Are you Hanbali? Hamar? Can you take that class so that you could get good at Hanbali Fiqh and represent? Yeah, we will have four methods in the room. Madikiyo? Shafi? Hybrid trans? Ryan is trans, by the way. He's literally transitioning. Okay. Hanafite? MashaAllah. When Amar is here, it's always a form of Yeah. The only Hanbali is the whole world. Now, uh, so you were uh, saying. So, how do these. Uh, is his mic on, by the way? Yes. Okay, speak. Like, what is the linkage of. I guess it is, seems like a common theme where these Ayyubat they bring, you know, you know, they say anything, you know, we say wait upon the scale of the Quran and Sunnah. Yeah, that's true. And how there's similarities between them and their forefathers in like Junaid al-Sadiq, yep. and like Jafar al-Sadiq and whatnot. But how, like, what is the solution to kind of end it for all? Because you see the ones that deviate and like you said earlier, the higher the spirituality rank comes, like the you know, lax they become in Sharia. And what do you mean? What's the solution? Like, I know there will always be like some. There's always going to be people yeah. who uh, every every you know what could go wrong will go wrong type of thing. Yeah. Every uh, 
thing that is possible, deviation will exist, in my opinion, right? It's this human nature. But all we can do is emphasize aqidah and fiqh has to come first, mm. right? Aqidah to me is the most important, well, it's not to me, it is the most important yeah. subject, right? Aqidah is the most important subject. Sharaful ilmi bi sharaf al-ma'lum. Look at this guy. Sharaful ilmi bi sharaf al-ma'lum. What is the most noble subject? It's the noble subject matter. Right? And when the matter is Allah and His Messenger and belief, right, and Iman, that's far more noble than uh, actions of the body, which have an end. Actions of the heart, beliefs, do never have an end. So there will be a time where there is no more salah, zakah, and hajj, and so and that the sins that you do with your limbs, they're described as having limits. You can't sin in the grave, but you take your belief and your intellect with you. Okay? So that's your eternal position on a matter is your aqidah, your belief. So that's the first thing that comes. And then after that comes fiqh, because you can't have taqwa if you don't know what's haram and what's obligatory. Taqwa is literally knowing the obligatory and the, and the permitted uh, and the prohibited. Because... Uh, Taqwa is going against yourself. Okay? It's, it, taqwa is when I don't want to get up for fajr and I get up for fajr. I want to eat something, I realize it's haram. That's taqwa. Okay? So you can't have taqwa without fiqh. And if you have the right aqidah and you have taqwa upon the practice of fiqh, you're pretty much halfway through to solve as is. You understand Allah properly. You have disciplined yourself, you fought your nafs regarding obligations and prohibitions in all matters, and then also what your part of fiqh is interactions with people, right? You fought your nafs on all these things. Now you get to fighting hasad inside yourself, envy and hatred and hiqad and shahawat and all that stuff. You fight that. That's where the tasawuf comes in. So I think that's the solution. I don't think we'll ever have a final qawlun fasl Every generation thinks that we, we got to solve this problem. You're never going to solve it. If we are now in this century having the same uh, uh, distribution of like deviation and accuracy as it was five centuries ago in the time of you know greats like um, Ahmad Zarruq and earlier than five centuries ago, then you realize it's a human condition. Humans themselves will be all law and no spirituality because that's their temperament. And they'll take people with them. All spirituality, no law. That's temperament. And they'll take people with them. And then um, it's knowledge that balances us. Probably in all this room, if we didn't have any knowledge, if we didn't have shiuch, we could probably tell which one of us would be very harsh on the law or argumentative in aqidah or all up in the clouds with the self. I'm not mean to point to you. <laughs> just happen to be there right okay so uh it's temperaments but the messenger وسلم, comes with a guidance that that brings his temperaments to him to the middle brings his temperament to adjust it to, to guidance so i may want my temperament is to to want something but i can't have that it's not right it's not good for me so you have to go to the middle okay yeah Obligatory ibadah, right? Like the higher your taqwa becomes, does that mean that um, you should always? Does that mean that you should always experience sweetness in everything you do, like salah? Or will no, there always be times where you will still no. find it as a task? No, there is always times when you when you have awrad, you do them regardless whether you like it or not, right? 
That's the benefit of it. So sometimes when you're tired and exhausted and your mind's busy with other things, you won't find, you're not going to find uh, that sweetness. But if you're on the right aqidah, right fiqh, and right dhikr, you will eventually. And eventually it will be more often than not. So did even the awliya find it tiring at times or no? Allah Adam, to be honest with you, I'm sure that every at some point in time, they had to do mujahada. For sure that at some point in time, they had to do mujahada. That they're physically exhausted, mentally, uh, their mind is busy with things. So when they did, you know, preoccupied, mentally preoccupied, I'm sure that happens to all of us. And the time of ibadah is something that they're doing to keep up the awrad, because man laysa lahu wird, laysa lahu wird, which means if you don't have a regular routine ibadah, what is that? Oh, you were saying, man laysa lahu wird, for huwa qirt. Saying of Abdurrahman al-Saqaf, man laysa lahu wird, for huwa qirt, meaning wird for al-khayr, for al-nafl, meaning that if you want a constant signs of rida Allah upon you, that means Allah is protecting you, He protects your kids, and you constantly are seeing rida Allah upon you, that will only happen if you're constantly in ibad, doing nawafil. So the system that was from the time of the Sahaba is a system of awrad, which means every morning I have something to do. Every evening I have something to do. Whatever that is. Quran, Adhkaran, Abawiyah, whatever it is. Okay. Siyam, but mainly Adhkar. I was reading like the story of uh, Rabi al-Basri, right? Like yeah. one of the awliya and like, it was said that she would do a thousand prostrations every single day. And I was just thinking in my head, you know, like there's no way a person, Allah Alam, right? But there's no way a person could have just done that merely as a task. Like she definitely must have had some sort of like sweetness feeling 100%. from doing that every single well, day. Well, yeah, there's no doubt about that, that it reaches a point that you override. Like the, the what you're receiving of Sakina from the ibadah mm-hmm. overrides everything else. And that's what keeps them going. So... Now let's read a little bit of Nabda from Hashiyat Al Imam Al Bayjuri, Fil Ikhlas, line 861. He says, Taking the attribute of Ikhlas. What is the definition of Ikhlas? That you seek Allah alone in your acts of worship. That's Ikhlas. Okay. And it is also it is not just removing the impurities from the from the intent, it's also removing you it is al khalas is the uh, salvation from the calamities of the day of judgment. It is an individual obligation upon every in all Religious actions. Allah says in the Quran, وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْرِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ سورة البينة وقال صلى الله عليه وسلم إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَقْبَلُ مِنَ الْعَمَلِ Allah does not accept from action إِلَّا مَا كَانَ خَالِصًا وَمَا بَتُغِيَ بِهِ وَجْهُهُ Except that which is sincere, pure, seeking his countenance. Okay, So, Seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means seeking the reward from Allah. This is something very important to mention. That if I'm worshipping Allah because I'm afraid of a bad thing happening to me and I ask Allah to save me, is that for the sake of Allah? Yes, it is. It means seeking the reward only from Allah. Not reward from somebody else. 
وفي حديث أنس رضي الله تعالى عنه قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من فارق الدنيا على الإخلاص لله وحده whoever leaves this world upon with إخلاص for Allah alone لا شريك له no partner to him إقامس وإقام الصلاة and he establishes his prayer and he gave his zakah وإتاء الزكاة فارقها والله عنه راض he leaves this dunya and Allah is pleased with him وعن ثوبان from Thawban, I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, A blessed or good glad tidings to the mukhlisin. Okay. Blessed are the pious, are the sincere, those with pure ikhlas, pure intentions. They are the lamps of guidance. Every fitna goes away with them. Tanjali anhum, kulli fitna. Every fitna goes away with them. Okay? And that is hadith, akhrajahu Abu Nu'aym fil hilya. Hilya til awliya. Ma yu'inu ala al-ikhlas. What helps you gain ikhlas? Wa mimma yu'inu ala al-ikhlasi istihdar. What is the best thing to help you with ikhlas is to realize that everyone, but nothing besides Allah has any power. Nobody has power to do anything. Everything is in the hands of Allah. The one who is true in his ikhlas, he doesn't want people to know his good states and his good deeds. And if people see his bad side and his bad deeds, it doesn't bother him either. He's not interested in the opinion of people in the good nor the bad. He has no problem that people just don't like him anymore. That his status in the hearts of people goes away. Uh, That's in general... But he should care. The exception to that is you should care if your status goes out of the heart of the ulama and the pious. If the if the scholars and the pious, in general, have something against you, that's a problem. You have an issue there, okay? Because they only judge by sharia and and the uh, and the sense of ikhlas, okay? وَرُؤِيَ بَعْضُهُمْ فِي الْمَنَامِ بَعْدَ الْمَوْتِ One of the righteous was seen. In a dream after his death, يقول الجنة أرضها الإيمان وشجرها الأعمال وثمرها الإخلاص. Paradise, its floor is iman. Its trees, trunks are good deeds, and its fruits, its trees are good deeds, and its fruits are ikhlas. Okay. All right. So that is the short section on ikhlas from Johar to Tawheed. Let us now turn to the Q and A. Uh, on this and let's see what we have today we covered a number of segments we covered Afghanistan we covered the nature of news and politics in the first place we covered Risal al-Qushayriya we covered Treatise through the Seekers of Guidance and we covered a section of Ikhlas from Jawharat al-Tawheed and now uh, let's go to the Q&A HK, Allahu Alam, I don't know what you what that means. 
Allahu alam. I can't say anything for about that. Mina AJ, are we allowed to go with our hands first into sajda? Yes, you are. You, either way, but the sunnah is hands first, but the greater sunnah on that is not slamming yourself. So what is the meaning of do not go down like a camel? It means do not slam yourself down on the ground. MJ Steele uh, or Ibrahim... Okay, let's take MJ Seals to us. Do you know who Najmuddin al-Qubra was and can you talk about him a little? Okay, we, we will try to get to him, yes. What is the benefit of having a secret with Allah and practical tips on doing it? Having a secret with Allah is having a private deed that you alone that you do alone and that Allah is um, the only one who knows about it. Okay. Ibrahim Khan says, what would the Messenger what would do when someone attacked him did he defend himself physically speaking it was different states you remember the prophet ﷺ was at a time when he had no authority and there was a time he did have authority when he did have authority he eliminated people who were misguiding people on the deen by lampooning him therefore making the bedouin arabs and the non-believers uh sort of go astray in a sense right uh, so he eliminated that as a sense of eliminating like false da'wah, right? So he eliminated Ka'b uh, ibn al-Ashraf for that reason. Um, he eliminated him. In Mecca, he did nothing, right? And sometimes he responded. One time they lampooned him so badly, he said, um, war is upon you. Okay? Or no, no, he said, I bring you slaughter. So one time he responded. Other times, he would not respond. Other times he would respond with the verse of Quran. So when you see the Messenger وسلم, you'll find that there is not one bill that fits all. In the, in the behavior of the Prophet, you'll see many different, in the Sunnah of the Messenger, you'll see many, many different things. Okay. Huh? Yeah, that's why we have Madahib. And that's why you have to look at circumstances. The Prophet is not one flat uh, Sunnah. There's a, there are circumstances that he interacted with. There are times when he had control and didn't have control. He had power, didn't have power. The uh, Safa says, "What is the meaning of the ayah Man amila salihan min dakrin aw unta wa huwa mu'minun falanuhiyannahu hayatan tayyiba." First of all, this ayah refers to um, the dunya. Whoever believes and does good deeds, in other words, follows this religion with ikhlas, you will live well. Even if you're living in the poorest economy, you'll be happy and you'll live well. As for, there's another thing is that there was one time a Sahabiya from Medina. She said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, the Quran is consistently speaking to the men. So what about we, us women? Well, first of all, that's not necessarily correct because the male plural includes females. So that's the first thing. Second thing, Quran came down, Surah Al-Ahzab, and then in this verses like this, explicitly mentioning Verily the believing men and believing women, right? The pious men and pious women, and so on. So explicitly mentioning this is one of them too. Man amila salihan, whoever does good, male or female, okay? While he's a believer, meaning his aqidah is right first. If you look at the tafsir for this, his aqidah is correct first. Wa huwa mu'min, i.e. iman hu sahih. I have a brother who told me, uh, the only way I could believe in God is, is through perennialism. Wait a second. Well, it can't be a brother anymore. But Iblis did not go astray on disbelief in Allah. He went astray on Nubuwa. Nubuwa is part of the test. right? You have to sub- submit to the last prophet that Allah is giving, uh, is sending to people. 
what's the best way to maintain sincerity when people are praising you? It's always thinking, like, what are they praising you for? What did you actually do? Okay? That's one thing. Like, what did, what did, what did you actually do? And secondly, uh, if you have, this is where the secret with Allah, meaning that secret action that you do, that will make you more, you, you'll be, you, you won't care anymore what happens out here in the world. If that secret action that you do is greater. Right? It's greater. Does reciting La ilaha illallah count as istighfar? I guess with the intention, if you're intending to remember Allah with the intent of purifying your sins and seeking forgiveness, yes. But you can say, La ilaha illa anta subhanaka kuntu min al-zalimeen. And you've combined between tawheed and tasbih and istighfar. That's the dua of Sayyidina Yunus. It combines all of them. It combines tawheed and tasbih and istighfar. Okay. All right. What else do we have here? May we know what Madhab Ryan is transitioning to? Uh, he didn't permit me to say publicly, but um, he is going to study with Shawafa. Fauzia, is it better to leave the argument? It's better to leave the argument, but what if someone is persistent with their false knowledge of Islam when we correct them and it turns into an argument? What should we do? One time, two times, maximum three times, and then leave off the argumentation. There's no point after that. What is the position of scholars on buying and receiving birthday presents? Um, the position is that neither is it haram nor is it recommended. And at the same time, I believe that we should not promote takalluf in the community. That means if we all in the community start all having birthday parties and we invite like 20 people to the party, well, kids are being born every month. Now I'm going to go spend $50 for this kid and $50 for that kid and $100 for this kid and $70 for that kid. You start really to have a takalluf on the community. It's like forced. You're embarrassing people or you're doing, it's haraj. Embarrassing you and not doing that and then taking up schedules and now this birthday party has to be as good as that birthday party. I have a problem with this, right? And my, oh, well, my son saw his best friend had that birthday party, so we have to now do that. Well, what if that family had one kid? So it means a lot more to have that one birthday for that one kid that they waited 30 years to have. But your poor family got five kids. Am I going to do five birthday parties? Right? Five mega, and, and then I'm going to invite everyone five times? It's a takalluf. That element to me is a bida makruha. It's a takalluf. It's a burden. And that's when, so what is birthday party to me? For little kids? Yeah, I don't mind having it for little kids because the whole society is having it and it's not a problem for little kids. But who is coming? Two or three people. The neighbors. That's it. The neighbors, your brother and your sister will get you a cake, get you a couple gifts. Us only. The neighbors maybe, right? But not the whole community, right? To, to, firstly, you're not that special. They don't think you're that special. They're here for the cake, right? They're here for the party. So... Yes, you're special to us, and we will, you know, that's fine. Up to an age at the same time, right? 10, 11 maximum. I don't know if I think they, a lot of kids grow out of it. In our community, just grow out of it, right? After a certain period of time, and that's how it should be, right? What about, like, weddings? Oh, don't get me started on the weddings. (laughs) Don't get me started on the weddings. What was the, uh, Omar Abbasi, I saw you highlighting something for me to... Is it? Oh, mawadda. 
Get yourself married, folks. Um, are you married? When's the next Mawad event? Amra Bintu says, what are the insights and lessons we can learn from Surah Yusuf? Okay. The number one insight on Surah Yusuf is his handling of ups and downs. He never had a great up, except it was preceded by a severe down. And his heart was solid. Okay. His story is all extremes. Extreme, thrown in the well at the age of six. Subhanallah. Taken, if, he, if they left him in the woods, that would be scary. Right? Now, they put him in the well. When they put him in the well, believe it or not, what they, they really didn't realize that they protected him. If they left him in the forest, he could be eaten. Wolves, raccoons, whatever they had in those days in, in Palestine, in, in Shem. And uh, bugs and all that. You put someone in the well, the, the foxes aren't going down there. The wolves aren't going down there, right? So they actually, it was a protection for him. They didn't even realize it. They thought they'd just leave him there. And then where does he go? To a far greater civilization and home, greater in the Dunyawi sense than where he was. Then he lives 10 years there. Then what happens? He has the fitna with Zuleikha, as she's called. And then she, uh, that ends, he, he, he ends up in jail for 10 years. Well, after jail for 10 years, where is he? Minister. Constant extremes. But his heart was like this. Okay. Good and bad are both from Allah. Sophia says, can you explain, uh, This is an extremely important ayah, which states that from, there are some people who worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon a harf, which means... Number one, it means their iman is actually on a ledge. The moment something bad happens, they're shot. The other meaning is bilharf, meaning this is a literalist just on the outward of things. Okay, All they focus is on the dhahir. Okay, so there's two different blameworthy meanings on that. Can you get Abdul Hakim Murad on nothing but facts? Of course we can. Inshallah. Where is the kangaroo skin? Our guest today is Aqil. He can't sleep on a silk pillow cover, if you know about our backstory. Yeah. <laughs> That's him, bro. That's the hair he's trying to protect. MashaAllah. May Allah preserve it. Pan the camera. Chief, pan that camera. Go slow. I cut my hair. If then he's the guy who should be worrying about, you know, silk pillowcases. And <laughs> Here he is, Abu Silk Pillowcase. Look at that. Those Indian curls. Okay. So he's get the sitting on the guest of honor today, sitting on the kangaroo skin. Um, Brian said, time is like a sword. Can you please explain that? Yes, time is like a sword means that a sword, you either use it to cut or it cuts you. So that's why it's dangerous to have around the house, right? Uh, knives, for example. Someone could cut themselves in, the bad, in a bad way. So, um, 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 or you can use it for your protection. So time, you either waste it or you benefit from it. Muazhar, uh, what big athlete can you see converting to Islam? 
Um, well, that, no, I don't see LeBron James. I mean, Allah has control over the hearts, but uh, but I don't see that at all. He's he's the most woke of all people. He just defended John Stewart defending drag queens to kids because John Stewart did a ridiculous contrast. He brought a guy who was against drag queens, and then he said, "What's the greatest cause of death among kids?" Right, and he said, "Gun violence." Right, the, that was John Stewart. The answer was gun, gun violence, and he's like, "So you're not against guns, but you're against drag queens that kills nobody." What a like re- absurd comparison! The, because things we're not for or against things just because they kill you. We're for or against things because there are other reasons they're wrong, right? And secondly, drag queens bring no value to society, whereas <laughs> guns do, right? <laughs> I mean, people protect themselves with guns all the time. Okay. Yeah. No. What is he? What is he teaching? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it happens all the time. Uh, is it permissible, says M Hamza, to do dhikr while other activities? Yes, it is, but not the listening to Quran. Okay. Quran cannot listen to the Quran if you can't focus on it. If you can focus on it, such as driving or doing some other mundane task, then you can't listen to it. Isn't interfaith dialogue synonymous to perennialism? Not necessarily, because I think interfaith dialogue does water down dawa. If we're like, oh, okay, well, what do you believe? Well, what do I believe? It's just not perennialism. You're not necessarily believing what they believe, but you're giving a platform to something you know you don't believe. No one else in the message should believe this. I don't care what the furuah, how Jews fast. I don't believe in the roots. I don't care how Christians fast. I don't believe in the roots. So for everyone walking away from this, wow, we're so similar. Uh, that's absurd. I mean, we're, so, we're so not similar when it comes to the more important things. So to, to me, that's a waste of time. The interfaith dialogue that's valuable is just dialogue on anything other than theology between neighboring mosques and churches. Right, that's fine for me. Right, that's just inviting the rabbi for lunch. Inviting the that's fine. Having decent relations is acceptable in the Sharia. Having good relationship with your neighbors is a necessity, and it's acceptable in the Sharia. So that's the difference between interfaith dialogue and perennialism. Perennialism is literally the, the disbelief that following Islam is a necessity for salvation. Theologically, you would not want your brand attached to these other religions. That's these other religions are the reasons you have atheists, right? It's because when you look into the details of those religions, you will lose your faith. Whether Christianity and logic, Christ, the Trinity and logic, Christianity and science, Judaism and its law, and it's what they said about God as well. You, you'd leave this religion, right? I was with a guy the other day. I can't remember where it was. Oh, I was in a meeting. And another imam, friend of mine, he went, uh, he did a study on the synagogue and how they govern themselves. It's like one of the most successful Orthodox synagogues in America. It's in Boston. So he goes to the, to the main guy who's behind it. And he said, hey, can I have a meeting with you? And the guy says, yeah. Now, you might be surprised because the Orthodox, they never meet with other people of other religions. So he's surprised that he got an acceptance. He goes to the guy's house. There's no religion in the house. 
the guy admits, he's like, he says, I'm a Reformed Jew, right? But my philosophy is I support Jewry in general, everywhere. He's a, he's a big shot lawyer. And he's the one who drafted their governance, how this Orthodox temple governs itself. He drafted it, and he's the biggest donor, right? And he says, I sit in the pew, and I laugh at what the guy's saying, like in himself. He doesn't believe any of it. He says, all I care about is Jewry in general. Like the Jewry? Jewry. Jewry. Jewry means the state of affairs of Jews. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. No, no, no. J-E-W-R-Y. Jewry, yeah, the the Jewish um, the Jewish affairs in general. He said, "That's all I care about." But I sit there in the theology. I said, "What rational person will believe this?" Yeah, right? Too, huh? Yeah, well, that's New York. That's, that's New York. Huh? Oh yeah. Oh totally, totally. Orthodox Jews. They they they. You want you want diamonds in New York? You're gonna find not Orthodox only Hasidic too. Hasidic is a branch of of Orthodox. What's that? Oh yeah yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you could pass for that. You could pass for that. You, if you had a different name, like if your name was Adam, yeah, or Harun or something. I'm like, I should have like try to blend in so I could like record and like expose. Oh yeah. Actually, you kind of look Jewish now too. People tell me that. People tell me that. But by the way, Al Masri is. Well, my name is not necessarily. People won't know. Right, it's like a neutral name, right? But I th- aren't I too dark? I think I'm too dark to be to pass as Jewish, right? Unless I'm Sephardic Jew, right? But it's different glasses, different look, right? I think I think it's glasses and nose. Yeah, grow your hair a little bit. Maybe. This is the second time in like two weeks someone told me that. Okay, so I'll go into real estate then. I always wanted to go into real estate. What are some ways to know your prayers and good deeds are being accepted? One way is to know that they increase you in taqwa. They increase you in staying away from sins. That's one sign of acceptance. Okay, They increase you in uh, uh, avoidance of sins. And another way one sign is you're rushing to them and enjoying them. Please tell us something about Salah on the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, because it's Friday night. Look, I wanted to share this, but it was all in Arabic. There was a man who was extremely depressed. And he has so many problems. He's from East Africa. He's an Arab from East Africa. They're, you know, they're mixed. The Arabs and East Africans have a lot of mix. And he joined a, a WhatsApp group that one of the Habibs, one of the Habib scholars, he had set up a WhatsApp group just for the sake of Salah on the Prophet. And they just encourage people, right? And he did it for a while. And then his, he was so poor, the net got cut, the internet got cut in his country. He had no more access to it to the WhatsApp group. So one day he hit rock bottom, and it was a Friday. And he said to himself, on this day, I'm going to lock myself. He's so down and out. I'm going to lock myself up from Friday morning. I'm just going to go for Jummah, come back. I'm just going to do Salah on the Prophet to hope to get relief from my affairs. So he said, he started after Fajr, fell asleep a little bit, woke up, got some food and coffee, did more. By Jummah, he had already done 5,000. Went to Jummah, Going to Jummah in the, in the Arab world, in the Islamic world, is usually uh, short in that you don't drive anywhere. You just go downstairs. He literally just went downstairs, walked two blocks, one block, attend Jummah, come back. By Asr, he had reached 10,000. Right before Maghrib, 
he fell asleep. Okay. Uh, slight, uh, sorry, right a little bit after Asr, he fell asleep. His wife came in and she said, and she exclaimed, what is the smell of misk in the room? The smell of oud and misk and these beautiful smells are in the room. And she, she said, did you buy anything? And he's like, no, I didn't buy anything. This is the, must be from, no, mind, this is a normal man. He's a regular guy. And so he said he had reached 10,000. He said let, he finished by Aisha, he had 15,000. He said by the next morning, he was a different human being completely. Nothing changed. But his state was so different, it gave him the energy and the hope and the ability to think to start changing his affairs. And he started, his, he started to change his affairs and his affairs started to change. And he said, I felt like I want to do more. Okay, he didn't say which salawat he was doing. Any salah on the Prophet, so I said, he wanted to do more. He said he finished that week before the next Friday. He said he tapped off one hundred thousand salawats on the Prophet. So he, said. he said from that point on, that was the day. That Friday was the day. Everything changed for him. And he said he even one time started getting tawfiq to go to Umrah. And he was in the road. And, and that night, sorry, when he took that nap, that night, that day, on Friday, when he fell asleep after Asr, he saw the Messenger wasallam pointing to him like this. Everything's going to be fine. Abshad, everything's going to be fine. And then he began, all he would think about is when is his next vision of the Prophet? What is the Prophet going to guide him to next? And the Prophet would come to him every once in a while. And then finally he would uh, be in a state where it's just every few days, two weeks maximum, three weeks most, right? You'd always see the Messenger Sallallahu And then one time he, he was in the Rauda and he fell asleep. So clearly this was way before, you know, like, like the pandemic time where things were closed down. And he said that um, he fell asleep in the Rauda and there he saw the Prophet Sallallahu approach him covered in white, dressed in all white and extremely happy with him, smiling to him and giving him bishara that Allah has forgiven your sins, right? We believe that if you do a sincere umrah in the first place, you can be forgiven your sins. And some of the automat said, even all your sins. Because we know that all sins can be forgiven at all times. Hajj is the guarantee, sincere hajj, upon the right arkan and fara'id, you should believe that all your past sins were forgiven, except debts that you owe to others. That part of the sin, the disobedience is forgiven, but that part of the sin is, of course, not forgiven. You have to give the hukuk to its people. The rights to its people so even but even in umrah sins could be forgiven anytime so he then uh he woke up he said that's the happiest i've ever been in my life and now his life is completely transformed and it's good everything is good his finances are good his life is good his home is good and all he thinks about is when is the next time he can uh see the messenger and he reached a point now that Allahu Adam, he can probably lead other people to this by encouragement, just on salah on the message. That's how powerful it is. We can't ever let go of um, uh, and let this part of our deen fade away. Other parts of the deen, they fade away. So a person may, for example, leave off fasting. No effort, I mean, sunan. It's not the end of the world, right? As even the Quran says, ayam and ma'dudat. It's only a few days. You may leave off other things like studying fiqh at some point, right? At some point, people just don't study fiqh for a long time. But this, it's your lifeline. And that sahaba, how did they live? The sahaba lived that any time that they felt bad, 
they felt down about themselves, they go visit the Prophet. They didn't do salah on the Prophet the way we do, right? Until later on, the Prophet taught them to do so, okay? But what was their, why didn't they, they need that? They would go see the Prophet themselves. They had the Prophet right there. So they would go to the Prophet ﷺ, sit for, for, for a period of time in his majlis, leave feeling brand new, and the Prophet would see their state change. Then wonder, or worry I should say, about the future of his ummah. And the future of his ummah would not have him, obviously. So how would they get that same result? That's when Sayyidina Jibreel came, will it not calm you or, or satisfy you that Allah has will bestow his mercy upon those who say salah and salam upon you so that's what we have in lieu of not having the prophet so the sahaba started having the prophet and doing salah upon him so that it became a sunnah that passes from the sahaba down to us and we have a salah upon him and that's it okay so are there um are there people today like in this era who like have seen the prophet license like face as clear as day like do you know like teachers and i've heard like things like this yeah like i don't like it's very common for many you know like to say like oh like, i saw a person in white and it was the messenger size oh, but then like you know seeing his like full face like exactly uh, yes. as shaman describes like if you watched if you watch the clips coming out of shem syria something else something else the ulama is shem when they speak about the stories of uh uh the, the people who are in Salah on the Prophet, as a, they take that as a da'b. A da'b is like a habit. See, everyone, everyone makes Salah on the Prophet when he's mentioned. But it's not everyone who focuses upon it as a very important part of their nafilah, their extra ibadah. So when you do find those, you find very similar stories repeated on the, 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 the um, relief, the visions, and all that. The life transformation that happens when they pick it up. And it was from Abdullah bin Mas'ud who used to who established this and, and said that uh, do not let Friday go by without saying one thousand salawats on the Messenger Sallallahu and that became that they just do a thousand every day and that became like the standard. You are part. You are on this track if you do a thousand a day. It's like you make the Prophet Sallallahu your priority. Yeah. Yes, if you, if the Prophet was living, he'd be your priority, right? You'd have to see him at least once a day. If you're living in Medina and the Prophet's right there. Okay, how could you not? We had a friend, uh, mm. one of the brothers on our middle with us, Adib. Yep. Uh, there was this like sort of trend where uh, it was on Jumu'ah. Mm -hmm. It was like tag five people and recite 150 salawat. Just on the Jumu'ah. Do like, what? Tag like five other people. Oh, so it was like okay. a trend sort of thing. And you recite like 150 to 200 salawat. And he had a like a heavy <laughs> comment. Uh, don't go in excess and praising the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mm, and uh, I mean we don't need this this is you know not from the actions of the Sunnah I mean that's it's that's like how do you ban somebody deprivation. from yeah, <laughs> deprivation that's insane that's yeah. deprivation we're completely against that ideology as well we're fighting that ideology yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, but because of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is not the sebab of your entering Jannah for eternity the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he is the means that Allah chose for you correct so you have to thank that means. How could you thank an eternal gift with a temporary thanks? Don't you owe him a gratitude for eternity? So what amount of salawat you do here while you're alive is going to be temporary. So um, look at um, look at what you got started 
Now everyone's saying what kind of Jew I would look like. <laughs> Subhanallah. <laughs> Ethiopian, Yemeni. Unbelievable. He started this Sunnah Sayyidah. Un- huh? Yeah, he, Ryan's on my side. Yemeni, maybe. Yemeni, I can get. Who said you One of these commenters. Uh, <laughs> now let's look at this. Uh, do your lips have to move? Yes. Your lips will move at least. Can women use silk? Yes, they can use silk. Yes. Um, in my head, this seems like a dumb question, but I have to, I have to get it out. Um, the Prophet ﷺ ever did salawats upon himself? Allah Adam. In salah, uh, uh, I believe that, yes. Yes. Well, for sure, in salah. For sure. His, our salah is as his salah. Yeah. Uh, and what? And he's from the Ladina Amanu. Right? Um, here's another one. What, regarding women using silk, you just have to be careful. It's, if it's something that your, your husband may use too, then he can't sit on it. For example, a silk bed sheet. I don't know if such a thing exists. A silk pillowcase, whatever. He, your husband cannot use that. Yeah, we can't use that. How do you recommend seeking Islamic knowledge while studying or working during the week? Make a fixed schedule. Have a set curriculum, one course, finish it, even if it's one dars a week, whether it's an online or on-site dars, but have that curriculum and the one systematic. That's why ArcView exists for those types of people. Uh, that one dars a week, you miss it, you got the recording, but you have to do one dars a week. Some people just go solely on the recording. Minna AJ says, what is the best way to soften the heart that has become hard? And that is contemplation of the Quran, birrul walidain, sadaqah, Okay, visit the poor, read about death, read the stories of the Sahaba. All this can soften the heart. Go to the Masajid a lot. Okay. Okay. I left two major sins over a year. Multiple times I make a dream where I reject the first sin but fall back on the later. Um, you don't worry about that. Just keep making toba. We all have to make toba. Okay, that's it. Um, and the best way of talking about toba is uh, is is remember the reward. Remember the reward of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that He has for the tawabin. Read me the Instagram. I see you here. Yeah, read it from there. Okay. Uh, can you can you blow up the screen? Uh, there's one about layered. Like scroll up a little bit. Uh, is wudu incomplete if your edges are layered because hair gel is used? Mm, yeah, uh, in the Shafi school, if you just get three hairs, your wudu is valid. In the Maliki school, you have to do the whole head. What is it, the Hanafi? Uh, it's a fourth, fourth, yeah. it's a fourth of the head. One fourth of the head. So he does the whole back of his head so that he doesn't ruin his fashionable look. <laughs> and what a, in the Maliki school, does gel count as a manner? Did, did you ever talk about that in Harun's class? Is it a ha'il, sorry? A ha'il, a barrier? We have to ask about that. Gel as a ha'il in the Maliki school. Can you visit the graveyard 
at night. Uh, no, it's not usually the nighttime that you visit because it's dark. But there's nothing stopping you. But usually people don't, well, definitely don't bury at night. They usually bury in the day because there's no lamps in the graveyards. See, Ali buries his at night. At night, yeah. At night. I don't know why. I don't. I didn't read why. What was the reason for that? Okay. What else we got here? I seen a good one on YouTube. Read it. Okay to only say salawat instead of istighfar. I don't think that was asked before, was it? You should never leave off istighfar altogether. It's not adab to do so with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At the very least, I heard that before you begin whatever dhikr and ibadah, you do a hundred istighfar or some istighfar. Even one. Do you recommend ambitious people to get married or should they put their plans in motion first? If you have the ability to give woman her rights, a woman her rights, then marry. If you don't have the ability or the willingness to share your time, then don't marry, but that should not take that shouldn't be for too long. Once the window starts closing, it's not good for you mentally, psychologically. You you really need uh, the perspective. You get a wholesome perspective. That's why I'm also at times caught by surprise at people's reactions like uh, to things because a, a young person the reactions to thing a, a thing that's like worth this much for a, or a married person with kids in real life to them this is it's this because you spent all day and all night go from class to go home think, still thinking about it wake up next morning still thinking about it but if you go to any one of these guys men or women that you see that walking around in the massagen if there's an issue the moment they get in the car it's done like it's displaced by an argument in the back right or someone spilled yogurt, or uh, the real the mundane business of life will displace all these things, and you realize. That. So it does. It's hard to get really emotionally involved in any one issue. Okay, this is also a reason why Allah has made some people not get married. Right, He's guided their life to not get married because some issues need attention. They need someone to have an inordinate, irrational amount of attention on this issue and emotional attachment to this issue to make up for all the rest of normal people who can't afford it, right? That's, it's important. So there is a wisdom why some people don't end up getting married. There's a wisdom why some people don't end up having kids for biological purposes or other purposes. So it frees their time to do something that no one else would have the temperament or the time or the physical ability to do it if every one of us lived the same way. So that's why there's a wisdom in that. So no one... I think there is a norm, but that norm doesn't mean it's superior to any other way. of. Well, maybe we can say it's superior as it's the sunnah. But the perspective is not necessarily more correct than the perspective of an imbalanced person. Okay? Because an issue may actually be very important. And no one in the community is giving it time because they don't have time. They're innocent. right? But this person living an imbalanced life is able to give it... Uh, uh, the, the time that it needs, and that makes up for the rest of the group. And that oftentimes, like I said, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. We all become like, okay, that's his thing. Let's not, let's, we, you, he becomes the imam in that issue, right? He becomes the leader in that issue uh, that no one else has time to cover. He fulfills the fadkifay in that respect. Imam Anoui never married, never had kids. Well, what did he do? He became an imam of Islam. 
Like in every subject, in every subject, he's an imam. Maybe the only thing that you don't study from imam know is like grammar and mantiq. Tib, he's an imam. Hadith, he's an imam. Fiqh, he's an imam for Shafi'iyah. Hadith, we said sharh uh, al-hadith and diraya and riwayah. Right? He has his sharh and he has his book on the ulum uh, al-hadith. Uh, he has the ulum al-hadith. Siyuti's Tadrib al-Rawi is a sharh on his book on Imam Nawi's book on ulum al-hadith. Okay? Uh, he, of course, has sarh al sahih Muslim. He has Bustan al-Arifin in Tasawwuf. He has Maqasid. He has a section in Tasawwuf. He has Riyadh al-Salihin, which is book of adab for the Ammat al-Muslimin, the general public of Muslims. What doesn't he touch? All his aqidah is in, his Ash'ari aqidah is all over Sarh Muslim. All over it. Every chapter that has anything to do with uh, a hadith that have mutashabihat, a hadith or sifat or mutashabihat, he is crystal clear on where he stands on it. I even took a screenshot of one of the ones we recently said on where the hadith states uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings the abd near to him and puts down a veil. You are in the class? Oh, you know that hadith? Okay. What does Imam al-Nawi says? He draws the abd near to him and he says, Amma kanafuhu um, Allah put, comes, draws the abd near to him and puts down a veil. Okay, so like there's no one between uh, them. There's in a closed room, closed area with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a beautiful meaning, right? You just let it sit, sit in your heart. But as a theologian, he has to explain it so that nobody gets some some sickness in his head that the nusus don't make sense they contradict one another he says alright that veil is his forgiveness and his sitr and it is also the removal of everyone else from your mind at that moment you cannot think of anybody else right and then the meaning of that Allah draws him near to him Karama wa ihsan. It's his generosity and his goodness to him. La dunu masafa. Not the nearness of a distance. Wallahu ta'ala munazzahun. And Allah is transcendent beyond distances and nearnesses. All right. So his aqidah is everywhere. Yeah, if Imam Nawi had four or five kids, would he be have the time for all these books? Probably not. Imam al-Bukhari. He benefited the whole world. He never had the uh, burden and blessing, really. It's a blessing, but it's a burden at the same time. Take away from your time. Right? So that's why uh, a lot of things for for people who are sort of busy and veterans in life, there's a lot of things that are, it will never cross the radar. They don't have time for it, and they dismiss it. This is something I'll never be, have time for, right? People come to me with the khilafah. Why don't you talk about the khilafah? What khilafah are you talking about, man? What world are you living in? Khilafah. Yes, in theory, in Islam, we should have a khilafah. That, I can say. I'll say that. But he's talking about establishing it now. What world are you living in? Right? Yeah, it's like the, all the khilafah movements out there. Um, 
someone is asking about the tr- drawing near to Allah. I would say to start with the awrad. Al-Musafir, you start with the awrad and you start listening to lectures on the heart and you see who you be- most benefit from. Okay. When's the next Mawadda event? It's not on the site. There will be, there's always a Mawadda iftar. Okay. They get the first iftar, yep. <laughs> they get the first iftar when everyone's still, the blood is still fresh in their face and they haven't fasted for 30 days and look terrible, right? You got to look good for that muadda iftar. Got to look fresh. <laughs> Never know what's going to happen. <laughs> Why are some people making halal cat food? No, 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 that's not true. They can eat anything. The only difference is tijara in the mutanajis is, has rulings upon it. The trade in the mutanajis, right? And then the, um, uh, the defecation and urine of a cat will always be najis, whether they eat what is halal or haram, because they're makruh to eat. The cat is makruh for us to eat. And the makruh to eat, it's urine and defecation is najis. As for farm animals that are not makruh to eat, they're halal to eat, their najasa, they're, uh, sorry, their bowl, their urine, urine and defecation is always tahir, pure. Step on it, no problem, keep walking. But there's only one exception. The jalala is the farm animal that regularly eats najasa, meat, meita. The, and you know it and you see it then its droppings become nudges for us you understand that let's say there's a chicken and the feed contains meta in it right its droppings become nudges what's the ruling on the egg Yeah. So that's the issue of what's called al-jalala, which is the farm animal, the the animal that is halal for us to eat, but it routinely, not once or twice, routinely, is fed meita. Meita is anything that's not slaughtered properly. It's not sinful. It's not sinful to feed uh, meita to animals. So you get a hamburger, someone gives you a hamburger, and it turns out it's not halal or a steak. It's not food. Feed it to an animal. Some I remember really one guy getting so emotional about this. He said, we have to eat it at least. It's haram to waste food. Right? I'm like, it's not food. It, just because you put spices on it is not food. You grilled it and put spices on it is not food. right? So you feed it to the animals. Or you throw it away. You have nothing against you if you throw it away. It's meta. It is not food. All right. Only a couple more questions before we wrap up. Uh, found soul I know a lot of Muslims who care more about dying for their non-Muslim country than for their religion it's heartbreaking why do they see patriotism as more praiseworthy than martyrdom Mm, that's not correct Um, I can see that it's the idea of defending your land personally defending the land that you live that's all fine and good and that would be martyrdom too but um, nationalism should never take priority. Nationalism is one of the first diseases that spread in the Ummah. Then the British spread this to divide up the Ummah. 
Lily Poppy says, how do you differentiate between a calamity that is a result of sins, tribulation? Oh, we've mentioned this many times. How you react to it. If you react to it by, by losing Iman and going for more into sins, then it's against you. If you react to it by having just steadfastness, then it's purification. If you react to it by drawing near to Allah Ta'ala, then it's elevation of rank. Ali says, I was interested in knowing regarding some salawat uh, we can do apart from Ibrahimiyah. Then go to salawathub.com or .org, I don't know. Salawathub.org or .com. Can dream interpretation, is it a gift from Allah or learned? Both. It can be learned, but but from a human, not from a book. Uh, Al-Musafir, I answered your other question. Um, go to... Um, go go, go, and listen to the shiuch speaking about the matters of the heart, and whoever you find solace with, learn from them. Take them on as a sheikh. Right. Uh, yes? A few weeks ago, like a week ago, actually, mm-hmm. I thought you might be a bit interested. What's the picture? It's uh, these. Uh, it's hard to say. The Layl Khairat, some of the Wahhabis found it and kind of tried desecrating. Let me just turn the screen real quick. Speaking of salawat. Oh, a book burning. So the Layl Khairat. Oh. A book burning. Yeah. Um, Alhamdulillah. He says, Tamma harku hadha al kitabi. Tamma harku hadha al kitabi. Alladhi yad'u ila al-dalal. Wa ila al-turuq. Bal yahmil hadha al kitab fi tiyatihi ma yad'u ila al-shirk. What is he talking about? This is the most popular book in Al-Azhar al-Sharif. For how many centuries? وَإِنِّي أُحَذِّرُ إِخْوَانِي وَأَخَوَاتِي مِنْهُ مِنِ اتِّبَاعِ مَا فِيهِ دَلَائِلُ الْخَيْرَاتِ A book burning. Book burnings are back. الْوَهَابِيَّ يَكْرَهُونَ كُتُبَ الصَّلَاةِ وَالسَّلَامِ عَلَى سَيْدِنَا مُحَمَّدٍ صلى الله عليه وسلم Okay, I'm thinking, still thinking on the grammar. تَمَّ حَرْقَ هَذَا الْكِتَابِ تم في الماضي. حرق is the مفعول به. تم حرق هذا الكتاب. Twenty-one comments, and this is from الراقي أبو محمد لقمان. He's a راقي. Explains a lot. الراقي في حاجة إلى من يرقي. Elias Sultan says this راقي healer is in need for someone to heal him. That's what they said about Iman. Less time on campus, more time in Masajid. Or at home. And watch the stream as well. Yeah. And Suhaib says watch the stream as well. Less time on the phone? Yeah, because that'll never happen though, for college kids. Uh, Less time on campus, more time in the Masajid. Right? And with your family at home. Okay? That's really the best thing. MSA? MSA? That's for you guys, marriage students. 
is it in a marriage student association? Do people still I connect know, from it? I think marriage student association would be great. <laughs> Ryan says now it's just a mixing student association. They're not even trying to get married. <laughs> yeah. When was the last? Who had a marriage event? No, we had a marriage event we uh, just three weeks about, ago. We were just talking about marriage. And I yeah, saw the yeah, stream. Yeah, was talking about marriage. No, no, it wasn't like a moenda or anything. I saw talking the about marriage. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And okay. It was packed. That right? Yeah, the association. And for some reason, how does the new doctor organize it on Valentine's Day as well? Oh, they did the marriage talk on Valentine's Day. No, we did it on purpose. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. See, this is what I my mind immediately said. Tama harku. Okay, harku is the fad. Harku. Wait, is harku? Hark. Hark sounds to me like an isp. Destruction or firing. I mean. Oh, it is an isp. Yeah, yeah it's an isp, but it's the fad. Yes, it's the fad. Tama harku. The al hark fad. Al harku fad. Huna. Thank you very much. Yes, that's correct. Tamma harku. Okay. I wonder if there's ikhtilaf on that. I wonder if there's ikhtilaf. Tamma. No, it shouldn't be. She's right. Tamma harku. Hadal kitab. Al harq huwa alladhi tam. Right? Yeah. So you, unless you put another fa'il in there. Right? Could you say tamma ar rajulu harqa hadal kitab? The man completed the burning of the book? I guess you could say that. So if you said Tamma, but if you re- remove that, it has to be Tamma Harku Hadar Kitab. Good. Thank you very much. Jazakallah khairan. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Jazakumullah khairan. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdihi. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfirukuna tubi like all of you. Thank you all for your dua. And we pray that Allah gives you a blessed weekend. Khadija Umar, learning adab and all of these the the regulars that are on the stream, mini star and many, many others, well-wishers uh, on the stream. Jazakumullah khairan. May Allah give everybody a blessed weekend. And please take uh, advantage of Laylatul Jum'ah. Laylatul Jum'ah. Take advantage of Laylatul Jum'ah with your dua, salawat, and tahajjud. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-ladhina amanu aminu al-salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq. Wa tawasaw bil-sabr. والسلام عليكم ورحمة Oh